gathered up the last of the sacrifices as you commanded. Good boy, Igor. Place them in the coffin along with the beer cans and the foreheads. Then get me as many pencils through the nose as you can find before the sun comes up. Go now and be quick about it. Yes, master. It will be done. Here, master. There are no more to be found. That's a lot. It's more than I imagined. Now nail the coffin shut and bring me those sticks of dynamite. Yes, master. Are we doing the right thing, master? I dearly hope so, Igor. I dearly hope so. If we can save just one poor soul from falling prey to another bad makeup idea from the internet. Yes, master. <laughs> Yes. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm fine. Are you selling something? No. Good, because I'm not buying anything. So in this edition of Battles with Bits of Rubber, we're going to talk about two different things. The first thing we want to talk about is how to actually start doing effects. And uh, by this, we don't mean not so much getting into the industry, but specifically how you actually start making things. And we're also going to look at the lowdown on cat plastic. Yeah. And I say cat plastic. Two, two uh, very important things. Yeah, I say cat plastic quite, I enunciate very clearly because I have had people say cat plastic as if it's made from like freshly squeezed cats. Mm. And it's like, no, it's cat plastic. But uh, we'll get to cat plastic in a bit. So how are you today? I'm I'm feeling way better than I felt yesterday. Let's hope so, because I am ready for this to be gone. (coughs) Still still catches me a little bit, but I I am ready for this bullshit to be gone a lot more going around than i was aware of at least it wasn't the flu no that's not pretty no i'll sing a song So, Todd, what have you been doing with your time since I spoke to you last? Well, um, I am just getting started on a production of Into the Woods, where I am doing... There are two actresses that are going to be playing the witch. Um, Debbie Boone. I don't know if you know that name. She was a, a pop star in the 70s, had a huge hit with a song called You Light Up My Life. Uh, she is going to be playing the the witch for the first three weeks of the production. So I'm doing custom nose chin pieces for for two separate actresses. I have to I'm doing their life cast this weekend and also doing the wolf who wow. I already have a cast of him. In fact, you you helped sculpt uh, the beast on him. Oh, that guy. Last time oh, you cool, were here. Cool, yeah. Cool. So I already have a cast of of Marcus's face and getting started on that, and I'm I'm doing a couple of pieces for Smooth On uh, that they're going to take over to to London for IMATS in June. Nice. That I need okay. to get cracked out. And let's see what else. Just a smattering of things. I'm I'm doing some some disguise makeup for for someone I really can't talk much about, but that's been kind of fun doing doing um, some dentures and some some hair work. That's been kind of fun. Oh, John Chambers on me now. You're going to do some <laughs> Yes, I could tell you about it, but I'd have to kill you. How exciting. Well, I've been, I've been getting ready for the, the UMAE, which is a couple of weeks away. Uh, and because of time, because I've not really been busy, what I've decided to do is bit, and because she's available as well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the same, well, not the same makeup, but I'm going to use the same cores as last year. Because I already have the molds here, so that makes life a lot easier for me to just, oh, sure. uh, makes sense to reuse stuff them. you already have. Well, yeah, I'm going to do a, a different makeup. Last year was this kind of like, um, I don't know, white trash kind of, you know, not too healthy looking. Which I got to of... tell you, I, I loved that makeup you did on her because she's, she's a very pretty girl and you just did this, not, nothing special. It wasn't a real crazy creature, but it was just a homely character makeup that if she was walking down the street, you probably wouldn't have even, even thought twice. But, you know, for, for talking about disguise makeups, that, that was perfect. Thank you. No, it was a lot of fun. I re- I really enjoyed it. And she's, you know, I've I've got a few people that I want to do some makeups on this time. I mean, this one won't be as extensive, but it's still going to be a full face prosthetic. And again, it's going to be, 
you know, I'm going to deliberately do something which is not a creaturey thing. It's a realistic kind of uh, subtle-ish looking makeup. But it's going to be a bit more kind of sinister um, because I want it to be, I don't know, just a bit creepy looking. Well, I and think again, those kind of makeups make can be the most challenging ones because just by its very nature, doing a, a creature makeup takes you out of reality so you can pretty much do whatever you want. But if you want to do something, just turning someone into someone else... Mm-hmm. I think is is more of a challenge. Yeah, so I'm going to get the eyebrows punched again and, and do all that kind of stuff. So that should be fun. And I'm going to reuse the dentures, I think, as well, because they're really good dentures. And I don't, I don't really want to just, you know, although we could probably get another set made up, I just, I, I just want to see if I can do more with the same stuff. Uh, sure. So a different piece, but the same core. So that should be fun. And the other thing I'm doing is I'm getting, I'm prepping for my workshops. This I've got some more workshops happening at Pinewood, which is kind of cool. Uh, so kind of getting stuff done for that. Um, I have a question regarding uh, UltraCal 30, because we don't really have UltraCal 30 over here. Okay. And I'm wondering, I can't remember who it was. And if they're listening to this and they remember it was them that told me, please message me and tell me again because i want to thank this person directly i haven't tried it yet but they was telling me that if you were to mix cement powder with like a hard plus that we have like crystal or something you would get something that approximated or very close to uh, ultra cal 30 and i would like to try that out because if that works that's amazing yeah interesting so i mean i i don't i think it was like a 10 or 15 percent so you'd have your powder and you'd have your cement powder, mix those two together and then put them in the water and just mix as normal. Uh, it, I mean, well, it's not it gonna... seems like it would work. I can't it imagine. Seems it seems logical. It seems like yeah. it would fit. So I don't know if anyone listening has a bit more chemistry knowledge on that, but I might just buy a bag, just a small bag of cement and, and, and try a few batches and just see. It's not going to cost a huge amount of time or money just to experiment and see because that would be amazing if no. I did that. Yeah. Uh, and then naturally I would uh, do a video about it and, uh, and, and spread the spread the love because that would be amazing okay and the yeah, other I've thing we're looking at ultra cal 30 plasterzilla plasterzilla it's amazing we had the first time i ever had this was for it was for a movie called mind hunters and it was uh not not a, a great movie but it was fun to work on and i think matthew mungle had done some live casts and he'd sent some live casts over uh, and they were ultra cal 30 and uh, they were like fresh up the you know the alginate so they still had little imperfections here and there but it was just like wow it's just so hard and uh, it is it was good stuff. so and much you, harder if, than any plaster we had here and if you cover it with uh with plastic as it's starting to cure up so that the moisture stays in there you get, it gets e- it's even harder amazing oh it's so good so i would love to try and get some of that because it is, it would make a big difference uh, to me. Because you could, you could do like a lot of cheaper jobs using that stone instead of, you know, a lot of resins, yeah. uh, which is quite handy for a lot of colleges and stuff. Where, you know, did I tell you what I've been doing with, um, with my stone molds when I'm, I'm gonna be doing a, a slush latex mask? You, I think you said something about doing a skin of, yeah, I'll, ultra I'll cal, do, and then... do maybe a half an inch of, of ultra cal over the sculpture and then I will back it with maybe another half inch of freeform air, the syntactic epoxy dough that smooth on makes mm-hmm. and cause it bonds really well to the ultra cal and it bonds well. So you don't need to put any kind yeah, of, so you've got this great gypsum mold. It's, that's still going to absorb all the water from the latex, but it's, it's none of the weight. Wow. It's pretty good. And you can drill it and bolt it. And so if you have two yeah. halves, you can, Absolutely. Secure the two. That sounds brilliant. Yeah. Well, something I just, something I just tried and it worked. So maybe I should just man up and just do this and and mix the crystal with the thing and just see what happens. Hell (laughs) hell yeah. I'm going to give that a test, I think, and see what happens. It's a great idea. I love it. I will, I will share the results. And like I say, if, if, uh, if whoever it was, I can't remember the guy's name, but, uh, if you get back in touch with me, I'll, 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 I'll mention you on the podcast and thank you because I have a feeling it's going to be uh, a nice thing to do. <laughs> yeah, well, it certainly makes sense. Uh, and the other thing I want to mention was I think we need to just quickly revisit our Shooting at Meat podcast. If you haven't heard that yet, go look at, uh, at that one. I think it was number three or four. Um, and it was a while back where we, well, Todd. <laughs> that was so much <laughs> You took fun. a little party. Oh, I wish you could have been here when we did that. We probably yeah, spent but, close to three hundred dollars on on 
on bacon and uh, and pork belly. There's a great place in downtown Denver that supplies all kinds of stuff. They even have pig heads, so we could have gotten pretty much close to an entire hog and, and going wild with it. Hog wild. But but it we had a great time. One of one of the guys that we went shooting with was was almost in tears when he realized we weren't gonna be able to bring the bacon back home and cook it. Oh, just a lot of meat. Yeah. With holes in. But uh yeah. But tattooed and stippled with uh <laughs> Yeah. But it was you want to see what a gunshot looks like through through flesh, and and pig skin is very close to human skin. Well, that was uh, real the, the purpose real. of the exercise. Yeah, that was the purpose of the exercise to actually directly shoot, you know, flesh and see the result. But then, more importantly, to actually mold it and cast it out because I wanted to see what you know the plastiline version would look like as a cast because that's what a sculpt should look like and it's invariably when people sculpt stuff it doesn't look the same as the real thing and there's a certain amount of kind of creativity and artistic license with with sculpting aspects and it's quite nice to be looking at you know the plain real thing and oh okay it looks very understated uh, very crisp or you know this prosthetic piece that i'm making for 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 smooth on to take over to to the london imats was Kind of a, the Revenant inspired. It's a, it's a 360 neck piece, uh, seamless, cause it's a collapsible core mold. And the, the tissue damage inside the, the wounds themselves are actually from those gunshot molds <laughs> that we made. We just clay, poured clay into those and pieced the stuff together. So it's actual tissue damage that you're seeing in the, in these open wounds. Looks pretty darn oh. cool. Oh, I have to look at, I mean, I'll be at the show, so it'll be fun to see that on. Uh, I'll definitely check that out. So we had a really cool email last week from uh, Kelsey Goble, and I just wanted to to read it out because I, I saw that we had some emails, and I saw you replied to this one. It was a good question. Yeah, I thought it, was it was worth good. mentioning. I think it's worth mentioning just because it's the kind of thing that not a lot of people think about um, or they don't think about until well, this, it's too late. It's, it's a perfect lead-in to, to what we want to – one of the things that we want to talk about today is, you know, what – to work on when you're just starting out. If you have any uh, uh, technical questions or anything you want to hear answered, uh, I mean, the thing is, we do get a lot of emails all the time. I'm sure you get, you know, I get, I get them to this, um, our email here, which is stuartandtodd at gmail.com. Um, but I also get some, you know, to my own address and just, you know, when you teach a class or something, I always hand out emails and I often get questions through. Uh, but once in a while we get a good question, which I think is something that other people would want to, here and I think this particular one is pretty good. And you did reply, so I think I'll let you read this one out, Todd, because you you had some really nice answers for it for for Kelsey's right. question well, sculpting. Thanks. And she says, "Hey guys, I love your work, and the podcast is super helpful to me starting out. My question is, where's the best place to stop a single small prosthetic piece for a seamless edge? Say, if I only wanted to sculpt a nose, where would you recommend stopping the sculpt to look the most realistic? Thanks so much, sincerely." Kelsey Goble. Well, I sent her several images of uh, the sculpture and then the makeup, finished makeup in place on on an actor, uh, Leonard Barrett Jr., who I've done a number of prosthetic applications on for different shows. And this one was for Man of La Mancha. And I wrote to Kelsey, said, hi, Kelsey. Great question. Every piece is going to be different, even for noses. To fundamentally alter someone's appearance, you don't necessarily need to sculpt the entire nose. It may just be a tip, tip and nostrils, bridge, etc. It'll depend on what the character needs are going to be. Sometimes you can stop the sculpture just under the septum between the nostrils and in the curve of the nostril wing before going out onto the cheek. Whatever choices you make, the important thing is that the sculpture itself be as thin and unobtrusive as possible so there's no obvious bulge indicating where the sculpture is and then bl the blending edge will be easier to hide. Does this make sense? Cheers, Todd. Haven't heard back from her um, regarding that answer, but what I had done on Leonard, and uh, we can we can post some of these pictures also, uh, we just basically, Leonard has a, a very broad uh, flat nose. I wouldn't say really flat, but it's, it has a broad nose and it's, it's a rounded tip. And we wanted to give his character, um, uh, the Cervantes character in Man of La Mancha, a pointier nose tip. So essentially we went up along the bridge of the nose and out on the tip and just created a, a 
narrower ridge and pointy nose that blended beautifully just onto the top of his nose. And it chain, the, the, the change of, of his look was dramatic. It's, it's quite an amazing transformation. And I, I like to see pieces where, you know, it's like the minimum amount of change has been, you know, added, but it's the right change to give that maximum amount of modification. So, uh, you know, it's quite an economic in terms of sculpture. It's economic, but it, it's correctly placed as to, you know, give the most significant change. And interestingly um, enough, you know, oh, wow. just changing someone's nose is enough to render them pretty unrecognizable to people that they know. So starting out, learn how to do some simple human anatomy. I think those are the important challenges to master, you know, not the pencil through the nose or a beer can through the forehead. Please don't do those (laughs) kinds of makeups, people. So that question from Kelsey was, that that was a good one. And it kind of leads into, uh, as you say, the, uh, uh, the, the first topic, which is, is how to actually start doing effects. And I think that's the thing. A lot of people say they want to start doing it. And it's kind of like, well, if you're interested in starting to do it, then start doing it. <laughs> but I guess it, it, it's yeah. what specifically you should do first. And, and, uh, honestly, I've seen they, some of these YouTube videos, you know, that, uh, by, by, quote unquote makeup artists trying showing you how to do these really cool things. If you're going to go to the trouble and effort to take several hours to build up on your face, you know, with cotton and latex and paint to do a joker makeup or whatever the heck it is you're doing, learn how to sculpt so that you've got something that you can reuse, that you can make a mold of and and use different casting materials in whether it's silicone, gelatin, latex. If you're going to go to that trouble, do something that's going to last. Well, I think as well that the, the, there is there is a strand to people that want to kind of do prosthetics, I think, as well, because I've often thought about it from the kind of professional point of view, but there's a lot of people that have no intention of trying to get a job within an industry, so they're not... Right. Necessarily thinking about Their it from that angle. Halloween parties and and, and, and getting likes on Facebook, yeah. probably. But which is, which is fine, but it does it does spawn a lot of copycats. Someone to do like a, you know, a, a kind of a, a, a crappy thing, and it, it, it I say crap. It, it sounds very mean and 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 you know, kind of mean spirited. But I I just mean it's it's kind of what happens is someone does something like a, I don't know beer can in the face or whatever and then that's a highly unlikely thing to ever happen and then someone will do a version of that and someone does a version of that and suddenly it becomes like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy and suddenly all of these poor choices have been copied and and built upon and it becomes uh, kind of a bit of fun within a zipper face (laughs) well i haven't seen that done (laughs) but it just from from like a, a you know kind of professional point of view you're kind of thinking why would there be a big hand in the nose or a pencil through the nose or a zip across the why why what what purpose it kind of it's a fun thing to do but it's almost like but yeah it's, it's a bit confounding so but but i've had uh like i'm, I'm teaching it in, in classes and stuff a lot of people are like asking what they should do first and i've noticed a bit of a trend with some uh, colleges i don't know if it's the same in the states but but i've seen a lot of colleges where they're they're encouraging students to do these very big kind of extensive makeups like well half a body is covered there's a huge creature head and there's arms and you know torso and everything and then i'll I'll speak to these people at trade shows and stuff and they've shown me these you know they put a lot of effort into it and it looks you know pretty cool but then they'll ask me oh i had trouble matching the skin tone or i had trouble getting good edges and what how do you get good edges how do you match skin tones and those are very basic and fundamental questions um and they're they're important to all kinds of prosthetics so it's kind of like you could figure out how to get good edges and how to make molds better and how to paint skin by doing something like a nose you didn't need to you know stretch yourself over six weeks and and a thousand pounds worth of stuff to get to figure out that's what you don't know um so i would urge people who are going to start by doing small things well first and then as you gain confidence you get more sophisticated and you start scaling up i wouldn't like if you'd never run before you'd be a fool to book yourself into the boston marathon and you know and and turn up on day one with your new sneakers and expect to finish with a good time you're going to get a mile down the road and collapse yeah, it's from exhaustion. kind of a ready. fine line because you don't want you don't want to you want somebody to to work on a project when they're getting getting started something that's going to excite them that's going to keep them interested and focused and and want to do it but at the mm-hmm. same time, you don't want them to be 
biting off more than they can chew early on because what happens nine times out of ten is they wind up getting really frustrated because it doesn't turn out the way they envision it in their mind and it's it becomes a colossal failure and they don't want to do it anymore yeah yeah and it's it, it is a crushing thing and i i know that feeling myself and i've done makeups when i was starting out and it you know it didn't go the way i wanted it and I would come back, but there was a, there was a definite kind of a period of like mourning, <laughs> like, you know, your, your dream didn't match your vision at all. And it's like, oh God, it didn't match your, uh, you know, your output. So well, what I tell my right. students, you know, it's, it's to get really good at something is, is you have to work outside your comfort zone until mm. what you're working on becomes comfortable. And then you push yourself outside that comfort zone again to improve. And I think starting out small and getting really good at doing relatively simple things so that somebody could look at it. Perfect example is, is visual effects work, um, CGI. When you show somebody your, your finished CGI work, and this is the kind of stuff I was doing before I started doing practical makeup work, is show somebody your work. And unless you have shown them a breakdown of how everything comes together, the best compliment somebody can pay you when they look at your work is, I, that's beautiful. I, what, what did you do? Yeah, they don't actually they see can't t- the They effect. can't see the effect. Mm. That's, mm. that's what you need to strive for with doing makeup effects as well. If, you know, you're showing somebody a cut on a, on a forearm or a scar, they went, oh gosh. You show somebody the beer can in the forehead. Well, nobody in their right mind is going to, believe that that actually happened mm. to somebody yeah well, you get this perfect halo bruising around the outside that that conveniently covers you know a crappy edge it's like yeah <laughs> it, you don't bruise like that or you know whatever get, look get real pictures of actual wounds and try to duplicate that and yeah, it's again and it's, using reference is a big thing i think oh it's enormous I, I don't know anybody that doesn't do you, you don't work without reference no, it's I certainly am not good enough to work without reference. Yeah, I think that that alone would make a good podcast on its own. Actually, is is is, is using and how to to find good reference. I think yeah. we should probably do and it, not do not it just wound about. reference, but you know what does a human ear look like? I mean, mm-hmm. In my sculpture class, I have students. You know, they've seen human faces every day for their entire lives, but when they try to sculpt something, it's obvious that they have no idea what a human being looks like yeah you kind of get so used to it you don't really look anymore you don't really see it you just you you, you kind of switch that off don't you like a lot of things yeah, you, in life you, you, you it know, resembles you a human them. being but that's not a real human being yeah and i think that's the thing of like doing things like you know um, portrait busts and stuff of people's heads i think that they're valuable um, exercises because they force you to to, to really look at something that you may be familiar with, even if it's a self-portrait, you know, you're, you will be present when you do your own self-portrait. So sure. you can guarantee you'll be, you'll, you'll turn up. And be prepared um, to destroy that sculpture and start over when, mm-hmm. when things don't turn out correct. It's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It's okay to so, start over. So I think let's break this down into a series of practical steps. I think what I would say is, is making, I think if you've never sculpted anything before, I, I think wounds and, Injuries are, are good things to start with. Agreed. And the reason I think they're good things to do is because if you get it a bit wrong or the edges aren't great, you can kind of put a bit of blood in it or a bit of bruising and, and, and hide your errors and it still looks okay. You've still got something you can take a photograph of and, and kind of hold your head out high. So I think mm-hmm. you could start that. And then as you get more sophisticated and your edges get better, um, I mean, if your edges aren't getting better, well, then there's your problem right now. You've got to well, research and, and figure out how to do that. Making mistakes along the way is a big part of the learning process. Well, it is. And I think that that would be something I would say is, is to take photographs of everything you do, especially your mistakes, especially the things that go wrong, because then you can show that picture to somebody else and say, why is that like that? And more often than not, you can go to someone like, you know, Neil Gorton's 911 effects page on Facebook and, you know, you'll get, you know, seasoned professionals and stuff you know showing you and explaining how things go on and but they can't do that if they haven't got a photograph of it so right. uh, as upsetting as it is to do that i think when things go terribly wrong that's a really good thing to take a photograph of and just have like a folder on your on your phone or your computer or whatever and well you know you keep all your mistakes you don't have to show everyone for fun but it's it's good to just have a record of them so that you can then you know figure out how to, to solve them i i actually i was 
just cleaning out the shop and throwing out some old molds to make room for new stuff and seeing seeing some of my early molds going, oh, my God, what was I thinking? I would, never, <laughs> I would never do that the same way. Yeah. Knowing what I know now. No, it's, it's, it's a, it's an ongoing, um, process. And, and the thing is you, you, you end up learning, you know, you, you, you are interested in the subject. So you're going to actively look for, you know, alternatives all the time and you're constantly finding new things. So that, that, that never, that never changes. The better you get, the, the better you want to be. And you end up just chasing this dragon. So, uh, you got to make comfort with and get comfortable with that sensation of, of never quite getting it right. <laughs> but, uh, well, it's just, you know, I think, I think that's improve. the nature of being an artist too. And I think we've talked about it before is we're never going to be satisfied with our work. Which doesn't, doesn't mean we can't look at our work and go, yeah, that's pretty good. But it keeps us, lets us know we're still on the right track when we know we could have done a better job. No matter how good we get, we can always, we could have always done something different to make it even better. I would also say that it's a good idea to get familiar with successful and, and, and good artists in this field. Or indeed, you know, just art generally, but it's, it's good to look at the work of people like, um, you know, Jordi Shell stuff and, uh, you know, you can see Aaron Sims and, uh, you know, there's, there's loads of, of, of very good people, you know, who do amazing work, Mike Hill stuff, you know, mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. and, and get an idea of what is already currently considered, you know, the best now and look at that and go, wow, this is already being done by people so that you, once you know, you know, it's, it's kind of like if you were going to run a, a marathon or Olympic, you know, it can be an Olympian or something. You'd want to know what the current furthest throws or the fastest times were, because that's what you're going to work to if you want to improve it. And it's kind of, I think it's similar with, with art. It, it really helps to look at the current state of things because I'll, I'll you know, when I teach a class and, you know, that we're, we're sculpting something and someone's not happy with what they're doing. And then you mention, oh, have you seen, you know, Jordu stuff or something? They never heard of it. I'm like, well, if you want to know this stuff, you should know, you know, who the industry leaders are so that you can. Oh, absolutely. You know, obvious, have a look and then you can kind of have like a sliding scale of like, you know, really, really bad and really, really good. And then where do you sit along that continuum? Yeah. Because well, if, if creatures, if, realistic- if creatures is what you want to do, here's, here's a list of, of people who excel at, at creature design and, and creature makeups. If you're, if you're interested in likenesses, here's, here's a, a, a list of guys that are brilliant at capturing the essence of celebrities or, or lookalike. I mean, some of that Mike Hill stuff is just, oh my God, really good. I mean, the, the Rick Baker doing the, the makeup on the American Wealth in London is like two full size figures of yeah. Rick Baker putting on the, the, the werewolf transformation makeup. It, you know, and it, but it's, it's a statue. You can walk around it and it looks yeah, like Mike Hill doing, doing still. Jack Pierce, <laughs> putting on the Frankenstein. Yeah. Like, oh, oh my God. The creature makeup. Yeah. It's just, you know, ridiculous. So it's, 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 it's ridiculously good. And it's, you need to see that to kind of go, oh, okay. And it kind of raises in your head, you know, what's good, but it also helps you to kind of go, but that's made by a human being and that was learned and they have skill and it's something that you know, mm-hmm. you can work towards. So yeah, I, I guarantee you. To have a good idea the, for the first sculpture that that Mike Hill tried probably wasn't as good as the stuff that he's turning out now. Yeah, that's the thing. It is a practice. It is, it is your practice. It is something you apply yourself to and and do regularly. But it is again, you know, it, it, I think that's part of it to, is to know what good art is, so you can kind of place yourself rather than just say, "Well, I did it, so it's terrible," and you know, beat yourself up with this imaginary stick. It's like, well. Actually, it's not that bad or it's better than it was. But yeah. again, if you haven't, if you haven't taken photographs of your work to record it because you weren't happy at the time. Learn to know the difference between good work and poor work. Mm-hmm. And there's an awful lot of poor work out there on the internet being paraded around as good work. And I, I think that's the thing. I, that, that's partly why I'm saying I like, look at these, you know, what, what is good work? I mean, I guess you could always argue stuff's a matter of opinion, but when you look at some, something like the Michael sure. stuff, you go, no, this is good work. There's no way that, <laughs> you know, that you could consider that to be, you know, overhyped. That is amazing stuff. So it's good to know what good work is because then when someone, you know, does something that's terrible, you can kind of call them on it and go, well, that's not, done well that's not that doesn't necessarily deserve to be yes, followed even among copies. zipper faces there are good zipper faces and horrible zipper faces but i think <laughs> they're all unnecessary is don't <laughs> don't do zipper faces please learn something different learn something real like what does a 45 caliber gunshot exit wound actually look like 
On a zipper face. On a zipper face. <laughs> I guess the other thing uh, you could try doing is, is it does help if you've got a face cast as well or a section of a face cast. I'm trying to think who who makes and sells casts that you can sculpt on. I'm pretty sure is it Michael Mosher? Uh, Michael made? Mosher? Uh, no, it's uh, it's it's um, David Mosher. David Mosher. Beg your pardon. Yeah. Uh, who's the bull cap? Because yeah. I bought a DVD of a bull cap application. That's that's Michael. That's Michael that's Mosher. Michael. Okay. Okay, so Which, that was the next by the, DVD. Away. By the way, that his DVD is spectacular. I bought it. it it's amazing. It it's really so good. is good. It's well worth it. It's, it's very, very good. Um, David Moshe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think CFX also sells uh, some some foam busts that you can sculpt on. Uh, but David Mosher has them. Uh, I know there we'll are some links. We'll put some links in, on, yeah. on the. Uh, in the blog post about this in the show notes as well um because that would be good and the other ones i was in when i was in new york a couple of years ago i went to the complete sculpture which was you know the amazing sculpture oh my god what a candy store i couldn't i didn't want to leave my wife was like we're going now i'm like no i don't want to go it was like it was amazing and uh they had uh like little vacuum form uh faces but they weren't like the crappy like blank face masks that you get in like you know michael's or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, Hobby Lobby or something. They were they were like proper, very hard, very thick vacuum plastic, and you could kind of sculpt on them. There's like a whole face, um, and I was like, wow, these are really good, and you need more of those. Um, so I think they sell them there. So you want something like that? I guess at a push, you could maybe use like a styrene, you know, those one of those kind of hat stand styrene yeah. heads. Yeah, but I they're think they're, they're vacuuming forming them at ABS, like like eighth inch ABS. So it's they are yeah. really really solid. Yeah, that's what you need. And I guess you could always back it up with plaster and make, you know, your own plaster versions to sculpt on if you want to use them as a mold. Sure. Yeah, neat idea. And then you can kind of uh, go. But yeah, if you want, another thing that occurred to me would, would, would be to sculpt up. Like we did, spoke to uh, with Jeff in the last podcast. He was talking about, you know, sculpt something and then paint it. You know, you don't have to mold it. You can at least practice your sculpting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and you can even paint, paint. You can even paint monster clay. And then just wash it off with some, you know, hot water or something, and then and reuse it. Yeah. I mean, what I did do, I did a, a video of something similar where I, I sculpted a like a, a lizard texture, so the lizard texture video, oh, and right. then sprayed it, sprayed right, it with right, cat yeah. plastic, sprayed yeah. it with cat plastic, and then painted it with acrylics, and then you just grab the the edge of where the cat plastic was peeled it off and it was clean and then you could just reuse your your clay again but uh yeah there, there's something about just sculpting and practicing your sculpting that i think you know you yeah, don't have to mold everything you sculpt 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 sculpt, sculpt. yeah practice, sculpt practice, it take practice. photos and then do more you know get some advice get some opinions and from people that you know are going to listen and look and you know this is why uh i think it's a makeup effects forum page on Facebook is a good place for that. Uh-huh. And you throw that stuff up and, and you'll start get building you may get morgue of reference images. And making you know, little maquettes or little scale models of things and painting them. Again, you don't need to mold them. You can just sculpt them. Um, I think it's good to just sculpt various appliances on face casts and just photograph the finished pieces. And then you can just reuse the plastiline and re-sculpt another one. Just keep going. Yeah. If you're starting out, I, th- I think working with a water clay like wed clay or just any any of the water clays is a good way to be able to start pushing clay around quickly and, and block in some forms to get, get shapes. It's, I think a lot of it's just doing studies. Don't, don't try to do something finished that you're going to keep experiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think when we were at college in my uh, second year, it was, we had a, it was like a six or seven week session. We did it like one or two days a week and they would have a model, you know, they paid for a model to come in and just sit and we we would each have calipers to measure mm-hmm. and we would have um you know a plumb line we'd make and uh and you measure and 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 take measurements off the head we did a life size head and uh, neck of uh, this uh, of this lady that sat and it was you know it was a very very tough thing to do but it was a really useful exercise because it, it taught me about how like the nose you know gradually becomes the cheek and the cheek becomes the chin and the chin becomes the neck and th- th- there's no you know cessation where that one feature stops and the next one begins they'll kind of move into the next thing so um it was good to do that so i think sculpting 
you know, even just a face, your own face. Like I say, you're going to be there when you sculpt, so you can guarantee your present. So, you, you know, if you've got a mirror and a bag of clay, you can sort of uh, start doing Absolutely. a self-portrait. I think that's a good thing to do. So. And pay attention to where things go on the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there are just it formulaic how you know how to know how wide to make a mouth and how far apart the, you put the eyes and where the nose sits and where do the ears go on the side of the head and this is all very very easy to figure out and getting them placed right is going to help you get a long way toward getting something that looks the way you want it to look learn the anatomy <laughs> Learn so, the anatomy. Do that again. Learn the anatomy. Learn the anatomy. In a world where anatomy was bad. In a world. So let's wrap up this first topic with, with just a quick uh, a breakdown to, to kind of a bullet point what we've just said. Bullet um, point. I think start out small. Bullet point. Start out small. Do Do small stuff well and then scale up as you go. And it doesn't need to be sophisticated stuff. You could just sculpt something in uh, plasticine, you know, what you get from like an art store. Or, you know, uh, plastiline is better, but plasticine mm-hmm. will, will, will start you off. Um, and, yeah, do something small. And you can mold it in plaster and, you know, make them in latex just to start with. Just that's how I started was that because those are pretty uh, inexpensive materials. You've got to spend some money. You know, if you want to make a meal, you have to buy ingredients. Yep. You're going to have to spend some money, but you don't need to buy the best of everything. But a little bag of plaster and a bit of uh, plastiline is not expensive. And, um, you know, that'll get you on your feet. And all the things you do with those materials, you basically will do them. Uh, those principles are throughout the entire process. So they're, they're valuable things to start doing. Um, so, yeah, start small and scale up as you go. I would suggest doing casualty stuff like wounds if you're going to make appliances because then you've got somewhere to go if you make mistakes with the blood and the bruising. And then as you get better and more confident, try and get away from the blood and the bruising and make it cleaner. And then start trying to do stuff like features like noses. Noses are a noses good thing are, to do, Noses is think. a great place to start. It's right. Because they're very hard to do well. <laughs> but, and everybody has one. Most people have a nose. Sculpting and then, like I say, photograph stuff and then reuse the plastiline and just keep, you know, that's the good thing about plastiline is reusable. Over you know. and over again. And just don't, don't get, fr- don't, it's easy to get frustrated when things don't turn out the way you want them to, but don't give up. It's, it's a very, uh, uh, private hell that happens when, uh, something like a creative endeavor because you, you're doing it because you enjoy it and you, you know, you want it to look good and you have such high, hopes and intentions for this thing and it's a good thing you know it's not like you're trying to screw someone over or kill someone you're trying to create a piece of art it's you know, a noble pursuit so it, it, it's very disappointing when it doesn't go the way it should and when that feeling comes you need to know you're in good company because everyone that's made anything has felt that yeah. and that, we've, even we've though it feels unique to there. you in that moment it's not it's not unique and i i, I had it this week um and it's it, it, it you you kind of learn to live with it, but it, it's never something that always goes away. So don't feel like, you know, you are, are a failure or that you are wrong because something hasn't gone right. It's just, it's, it's an event. It's not you. It's, it's a thing. It's outside of you. So, um, you can drop it's, that like unwanted luggage, frankly. Yeah, it is a process and it can, you know, you, you, you have good days and you have bad days. Yeah. I'm sure that the, the witch and the, the wolf makeups that I've got to sculpt for Into the Woods will go through at least a couple of iterations before I get what the director is looking for. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm hoping I will be close coming out of the gate, but you know, it's a process. It's you, you try something and see how it's going to work. You know, the actor's going to have to wear it, so it needs to be functional as well as look right. I'm about to break out my stash of Girl Scout cookies. We don't have those over here. Oh, would you like me to send you some? Can you do that? Uh, why not? I'd love that. I've never had yeah. Girl Scout cookies. They're the kind of thing They're I see in like Girl movies Girl and stuff, but it's not really something we have over here. Oh, you'll, they're yummy. I'll send you a box of Thin Mints and, and a box of Samoas. <laughs> So on to our second topic, which is uh, cat plastic. The lowdown. The lowdown on cat plastic. So for those of you who are not familiar with cat plastic, it is literally uh, a vinyl plastic 
uh, I'm I'm guessing it, it comes as a kind of a pellet form initially, and then is is, is pellet kind or of a powder, a pellet or a powder, and then it's kind of soaked in usually acetone to melt it into like a liquid, and mm-hmm. then that's how you buy it. You buy it as like a thick concentrate liquid, and it's basically used for painting onto head shaped forms, and then it's made into bald cap so if someone's got hair and they want them to look bald you'd stick a cap on their head and that's why it's called bald cap plastic two types now now there is an alcohol soluble cap plastic that uh is is very nice that is used quite a lot for encapsulating silicone gel prosthetics and i think that that's worth pointing out to people who are like you know when you arrive a little later to the party and you see all these different kinds of cat plastics and it can seem very confusing. Um, uh, something to bear in mind is that they're, they're all essentially very similar. It's kind of like going into a store and seeing, you know, different kinds of spreads or, or colas or whatever that chemically they're very, very similar. So you don't need to get too hung up on, there are going to be some that are better than others, but a lot of them, you, there may be benefits you're not necessarily going to notice unless you're working at a very high level and, uh, so uh, when you're starting out, you're still trying to get your head around everything. I wouldn't get too hung up on the different brands because there's like there's Baldies and Super Baldies and there's and there's, and there's and Bald there's... Effects and um, Michael Davies got one called Watermelon, which I've never used, but I've heard good things about it. But that's a water-based cat plastic, isn't it? Yep, and it's and and it, but it is alcohol soluble once it's okay. once it's dried. So we should probably well, we'll focus mainly on the uh, on the on the two main types, the acetone and the the uh, the alcohol-based cat plastic. I think that that might be something to uh, to do like a video on. I think as well, it could be quite yeah, nice absolutely. to actually show, and show, I think show the a, benefits of this stuff. There's a bit of nice. a caveat with the alcohol-soluble cat plastics. If you're using alcohol-activated palettes to paint. Mm-hmm. You need to be careful about using too much because you can literally burn a hole in the cat plastic, revealing whatever material is is underneath, whether it's a silicone gel or somebody's hair. Mm-hmm. And if you're and if you're using it as a bald cap, and you are gluing the person's hair down with with some kind of hair gel, if that hair gel has alcohol in it, it's Same actually again. going to eat through the cap. Yeah, so beware. Yeah, be careful. So I guess the story with with cat plastic is, uh, like I say, you know, was used for making ball caps pretty much exclusively. That's that's all ball cap plastic was used for was making ball caps, hence the name. Um, but then when you know silicon became a material that people were using for appliances instead of foam latex, m- most people were using ball cap plastic to make ball caps. And so, you know, the acetone solvent that it was used with was perfectly right. But now a lot more cat plastic is getting used for appliances. So it's going under eyes and around, you know, on the face more. Uh, I think people were like, you know, this whole acetone near the eye thing, that's not good. Is there a way we could formulate a cat plastic that uses a less aggressive solvent? Hence the super baldies kind of phenomena, which is uh, it's basically the same kind of thing, but it, it just uses alcohol instead of acetone mm-hmm. as a solvent. So, uh, and the super baldies, I think, is stretchier. Yeah, it has a much more plastics. more flexible. Yeah, the uh, the 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 alcohol cap plastic. I mean, it, it it is a lot more kind of flexible. But I wonder if that's just because there's a plasticizer they've added to it that they could add to the standard bullies, and that also would be as flexible. I don't um, know. Something to look into. So maybe, fellas, if you're making that stuff, is that something we could look into? <laughs> Because I'm, I'm wondering as well whether like putting oils in it would make any difference. This came up a little bit uh, on the 911. I was thinking, I wonder if you could add something. And I think Neil mentioned maybe putting a bit of lavender oil in it or something. It, again, it's something that just needs to be tested mm. because if you could put some oil into it, a small amount, I'm saying, you know, just a few drops, uh, whether it would make it more flexible. But obviously the concern is it would also stop glues or the silicon from bonding to it. So, right. Uh, but 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 yeah, the the super baldies or the alcohol based one seems to be a lot more flexible, um, and that's very very nice. Um, but um, yeah, with regards to airbrushing it, I t- I tend to thin mine quite a lot. I mean, I I, I thin it probably about five or six parts solvent to one part cat plastic. That's that's close to what I do as well. 
Because I, I would rather I, it was too. I'm runny. still a little leery of running running it through an airbrush, even a you know even a single action airbrush. Because if you don't clean the brush properly, then you've got this stuff dried in there and it's gunked in. What I use when I'm when I'm spraying it is, I even use it if I'm doing silicone uh, in a flat plate mold. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll do a skin of of Baldies or or Glatson in in the mold, and I use these Preval sprayers that I pick up at Home Depot. It comes with a little glass jar and a little aerosol top that goes on it like a, like a spray can for seven or eight bucks. And you can buy the refill aerosols for like four bucks and get a really nice, if you've thinned it, thinned your, your baldies properly, you get a really nice fine spray out of these sprayers. And when it's used up, you just toss it. Okay, we should look into that. Maybe uh, we'll we'll find some uh, pictures and post it on the blog post uh, and have some links in the show notes as well because there may be something equivalent in the UK or somewhere else in Europe that we could find over here. I've seen those kind of pump-up ones, you know, they're like mm-hmm. a, a bottle within a bottle. So one right. of the bottles is used to you pump it up and it, it has air pressure in it and the other bottle has inside it a, a reservoir for whatever fluid and then basically you can turn presumably any liquid you can put in there or anything you can turn into a liquid. You want to have several layers of a really fine coating of the baldies mm-hmm. in your mold so that you don't have thick and thin spots that are going to yeah, affect gonna... the way the appliance moves once it's, once it's glued on. Yeah. I mean, I've got some video of me uh, airbrushing cat plastic if anyone's interested. I'll bet in that's that. exciting. And I'll put, oh, it's amazing. You watch it evaporate. It's amazing. I just don't think if, if you wanted to see it done, you don't have an airbrush. You just want to see it done. You could see this being uh, done, but it, it, it is, it is, it, it, there's a bit of a knack to sort of doing it calmly in such a way as to try and get an even spray. Yeah. Which it's probably more difficult with an airbrush than it is with this spray you're saying, because it probably sprays quite a big spray pattern. Um, which mm-hmm. is another reason why yeah. I like it being so thinned down with solvents because you can really pump that and know you've got it everywhere. Yeah. Uh, well, you can adjust the amount of the spray with the airbrush that with the Preval sprayers, you push it down and you get what you get. With an airbrush, you can adjust how much, how much the air pressure is or how much, how much materials coming through the, the gun by how far you pull the trigger back, which is, would be an advantage with an airbrush over one of these disposable sprayers. Yeah. I mean, I, I use uh, an iWater HPCS, I think it is. And yeah. this is one I've had about 10 or 12 years. And I put cat plastic through it pretty much every month since I've had it. And it's still all the original parts. It's fine. I mean, if it does get a bit blocked, I just dismantle it and throw some solvents. Yeah, I've, I've got a single action pache that essentially the same thing. Mm. And it works really works well. Really, it works really well. And it's the only the only trouble with it is it's a gravity fed. The dashboard's on the top, so it's gravity fed. So you don't get a lot of gear in there. But what I did do was I posted a picture of it on, on Instagram. I, I cut down a syringe and whacked it in the end with some plastiline to create a seal just so I could pour like, you know, oh, <laughs> a quarter yeah. pint I saw, of, I saw of, of cat yeah. plastic in it. And it, just because I got bored of constantly refilling it. But <laughs> that's the only thing with it. If you're doing a lot of molds, it, it helps. If you can get one of those spray guns they use for like tanning, you know, yeah. Well, boots. that's what's nice about the Preval sprayers is because it's a it's a four ounce jar that attaches to this little aerosol, so you can fill that puppy up with four ounces of thin down cat plastic and go to town. Amazing! That sounds really good. I want to know if we do something like that. And Preval, how do you spell P R E V A L? P R E V A L. Okay, Preval. We'll look that up. Because if we can find something similar over here, I will, I'll, I'll eat that shit. Yeah, no, I buy a bunch of them. Well, when I go to Home Depot, I'll I'll buy like a dozen a dozen of the the refills at a time. I'll send you one along with the Girl Scout cookies. Okay, that sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. And then I can eat the cookies while I put my cap. There you go. Because the thing is, a lot of people listening to this podcast who are not in the states or in the UK, and if they find an equivalent or a different name or a different supplier or something somewhere else in the world, it's good if you let us know because we can update the blog post with that because there's going to be someone else in your neck of the woods that maybe wants the same thing and you know they need to know yeah, it maybe it's, scandinavia it's, has something that's better than all of it exactly so it would be good uh to you know to, to spread that around a bit because otherwise it gets a little bit kind of like well i don't have a lowe's because like you mentioned home depot and i'm mm-hmm. like i don't know if we have one of that the nearest we have in england is something like b and q 
or home base, and I'll be interested to know if they have something like that. Um, which which department would it be in? Would it be in the, the uh, paint, paint department? Paint in the... department, yeah. Okay, so maybe I'll have a look and see if we've got something similar to that over here. Um, but yeah, so so with 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 spraying cat plastic, one thing I mean, <clears throat> some people uh, like if you're doing a flat plate silicone mold. You can kind of brush it in. You could use like a wide paintbrush and just paint it in conventionally. But I have found that I learned this to my cost years ago. One of the first courses I ever taught where I was doing this, we, we painted onto resin face cast with brushes mm-hmm. and it was basically cat plastic that had been thinned down four or five parts solvent to one part cat plastic. And we painted it on with a brush and, uh, we ran the pieces and then we opened them up and the, basically the cat plastic stuck to the core and to the mold and it ruined the piece getting it out. It didn't bond at all to the silicon. Mm. It stuck to the core and the mold. Um, and that only happened when I, I painted on with an airbrush, uh, painted on with a conventional brush. When I, when I airbrush it on, it worked really well. So interesting. Uh, I think basically what happens is when you paint it on with a brush, you deposit a much thicker layer. So the solvent is on the surface for longer, not a lot longer because it still evaporates quite quickly because it is acetone. Yeah. But uh, because it was a thicker layer, it had time to to get past the, uh, you know, the any release agent that was on there and and make friends with the, uh, the you know, the core surface and the mold surface, and it basically right. bit into the resin surface. Which so that when, goes into why it's so important to make sure that you release your mold. Well, properly. release your molds, but also don't don't paint it on with a bloody paintbrush. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you can with a silicon mold. You can with a silicon mold. It works okay with silicon. So if you're making little flat plate silicon molds, yeah, you can, even can brush in. those in. Yeah, but but with a, with a, with 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 a core that's made of something like resin, you kind of have to airbrush it on because otherwise, you the amount you leave when you paint it with a brush is so thick. It's thick enough, even if it takes a minute to evaporate. That's plenty of time for the, you know, to migrate into the surface of the mold. Whereas when you airbrush, the amount you spray is so thin. Which means you need to do more layers, but it just means that it it's almost dry by the time it lands on the surface, and it doesn't have time to eat into the surface. Exactly. The so what I've start doing now, uh, it's like a little, almost like a nervous tick that I do. I spray the core and the mold right to the edge, way way past where the edge of the appliance is, right to the edge of the the core or the mold itself, so that I can actually lift it with a pin and check. Mm-hmm. Because if I can pull it away with a pin now. I know that it's coming away from the surface of the mold or the core. Okay. Whereas if it's not coming away easily now, I already know that it's not going to work later. So there's no point in going through the whole filling with silicon, clamping it, waiting, and then opening up only to find out. So it's always worth checking to make sure that your cat plastic is, is able to come away, that it's been sufficiently released before you go any further. And kind of tick that box. Yeah. And also if you're, if you're doing a, a silicone gel appliance, uh, the, the more deadener you've got in your silicone, the stickier your silicone is going to be and the easier it's going to be for the silicone to want to stay attached to the ball mm. cap, to the cap plastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that can happen. That, that's known as delamination. I've had that with a few pieces, either because the, uh, the silicon just didn't bond to the cap plastic or more often than it's probably because the, the mold of the core wasn't released well. So out of the two surfaces, the silicon or the mold, it ended up bonding with the, with the mold surface. So it ended up delaminating that way. So you, again, like you say before, you need to really make sure that you, yeah. um, well release And the more molds. detail, the more detail you have and, and undercuts in, in the, the texture of your, of your mold, the more likely you are to experience some delamination when you're trying to demold. Yeah. It just kind of grips it, doesn't it? A mechanical kind of grip. So, uh, yeah, release, release like Billio, but it's probably worth mentioning, although it's incredibly self-serving for you to, uh, to mention your, your bonder. You've got some pro. Yeah. Maddie Singer and I have, have partnered up on a, on a product that, that he came up with that we're calling ProBond Primer, which it's like micro, like on a microscopic level, it's, it's working like Velcro where you spray the ProBond Primer onto the cap plastic and when you pour in your your uncured silicone it's like microscopic velcro and it creates a permanent bond between the cap plastic and the silicone when it when it sets up that you essentially can't have delamination mm-hmm. and not just cap plastic either is it i mean you, no, you've done a little video again yeah, no, you can you, it'll, you can bond silicone to to pretty much anything i've 
I bonded it to the bottom of a metal coffee can uh, by spraying the the pro bond onto the can and then pouring silicone onto that after the the pro bond was was dry and couldn't get the silicone up without tearing it. So that's all good. So we will um, we'll put a little link to uh, to that because you've done a video I think of that mm-hmm. to show because it, it it it's kind of difficult to necessarily wrap your head around it if you haven't seen it done. So I think if we put a link to the video then people can can check that out. But it, it it's worth it I think because sometimes on the back of pieces you get like the cat plastic kind of you know you take a piece off and you're left with a layer of cat plastic stuck to the face with the glue. So you pulled the piece off, but there's still cat plastic on the skin. Whereas yep. this, if you this, spread it with this, presumably that doesn't help eliminate that as well. So that's kind of cool. Uh, I think it's probably worth just mentioning as well why we use cat plastic at all. Because some people are like, why can't I, why do I need cat plastic? Um, so I think it's probably worth just discussing a little bit about why it's necessary to use cat plastic sure. when you're using silicon gels. Because again, if you haven't actually handled silicon gel, it's kind of difficult to get your head around. So, but it's um, very soft, but it's really sticky. It's really sticky. If you want it soft, which you kind of need it to be soft. Otherwise, there's no point in using it. it. It's too stiff. It needs to be really squidgy and soft. It needs to be as soft as the skin that it's going to be sitting on, basically. So if you think of a big flabby mm. neck, if that's where your piece is going, like on me, there's no point in having a piece of hard rubber on a soft neck because it looks fake when the neck moves and the piece yeah. doesn't. Then you can see it. So it needs to be very, very soft. So on the plus side, you know, the sticky, the sticky silicone gel will adhere quite nicely to your skin. But mm-hmm. so will everything else from cat but, hair. But it's getting it out of the mold. That's the yeah, hard part. Also, yeah. getting so it out of the mold is 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 going to be going to be tough. If you so can imagine the, the cat. Yeah, if you can imagine like a, a you know a, a chicken breast with a consistency of snot that sticks to you like it like like it was made of, of sellotape. <laughs> imagine that, and it's like you can't yeah. get it out of the mold and then put it on a core because every time you touch it, it sticks to your hand or whatever, and the very very fine edges that you sculpted would just get ruined. So so you actually need the benefits of the soft squishiness, but you don't need the surface tackiness. Yeah, I think so well, I, way, I would think trying to get silicone gel out of a mold. It's probably even worse than trying to get uncured silicone out of a mold. Yeah. At least that has the courtesy of being liquid enough to pour most of it out. (laughs) And that's not a pretty good idea. Something, trust me, you don't want to have to experience. No. So, yeah, so the reason you would put cat plastic in, you would spray cat plastic on your core and on your mold, and then you put your silicon in. And then close the mold up or you can close the mold up in advance and inject your silicon in. But the point is when the piece comes out, the actual surface is cat plastic, whereas the inside Mm -hmm. has all the benefits of translucent squidgy silicon. So it fills and looks like skin, but the actual surface you're touching is not a silicon surface. It's a cat plastic surface. And that cat plastic surface does two things, really. It well, three things. It stops you from, you know, it being sticky so you can actually handle it. But it also gives you a surface that glue. And paint will stick to uh, it. It makes because, painting a, a breeze. Because if you think about it, you know, the reason we make molds out of silicon is because stuff doesn't stick to silicon. And that's great. But if you're making appliances out of silicon, it's insane. Because now neither the glue nor the makeup is sticking to the silicon. So Not for very long uh, anyway. Not for very long. So so by having a cat plastic surface, you actually give it a membrane or like, a, like an actual surface, which is not silicon, but the, but is bonding to the silicon inside. And uh, and then you can paint that up and make it up, and the makeup should stay stuck to the cat plastic, and on the back the glue should you know stick to the the uh, the skin. So you it basically acts as a as a you know a, a go between between the silicon and the skin. And then the la- the last thing it does, which is incredibly useful, is that you can dissolve the edges away. The cat plastic edges will actually melt with the solvent that's appropriate for it. So if you've used standard baldies, for example, then it's acetone. If it's the super baldies, then it's uh, alcohol. But the point is you can melt the edge to nothing. So you make it with a thin edge anyway, but you can literally melt it away. Whereas if it's a bare silicon piece with no cat plastic, you can't melt that edge because there isn't anything that's going to safely melt silicon it's not like gelatine which you can melt you can't melt silicon no. it's you know yeah cured latex cured silicone once once they're done that's that's it and the beautiful yeah. thing with if you've got multiple overlapping pieces because you can blend those edges with just a teeny bit of of solvent whether it's alcohol or acetone now you've got it's just tied your whole makeup together Mm-hmm. Seamlessly, literally seamlessly. Yeah. 
But like you say, you've got to be careful with your overlapping pieces if you're using the solvent to yeah. make sure you don't put too much on. I mean, when I say you need solvent, you don't need a lot. If you, I mean, for all of this melting away business, you still have to make it with a really thin edge. I mean, we're talking about much, much thinner than, you know, tissue paper. It's, 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 you know, feather, feather thin. And um, it's, it's very easy for enough to become too much. Yeah. I mean, I, I notice it with cat plastic, a lot of people, when they start doing it, is they'll spray, you know, what they think is the right amount of cat plastic on. And then, you know, they check. And because it stretches, it feels very thin. They end up putting more on. And then the next day when they open up their piece, it feels really, really thick. And it's not that it got thicker. It's just that actually it was thick. It was thick enough when you did three or four layers. You just needed to leave it for a couple of hours to firm up mm-hmm. because cat, cat plastic toughens with time. And if you... If you delaminate it, if you open up your mold too soon, it, it's still still too soft. You really do need to leave cat plastic, you know, a few hours really to mature, per- preferably overnight before you open up if you can, I think. Yeah, it's, then it's, it's, had, it's you know, very easy to hours. be impatient and, and, and you want to see how this thing turned out, but give it time to, to reach full strength. Yeah, so so I like uh, the baldies and the super baldies. I use them both in different ways. One thing I would say about the super baldies from a practical point of view is it, it tends to cobweb a lot more when you're spraying it. So you yeah. kind of need to make sure it's very, very watered down, uh, well, watered down, thinned down with, with solvent, and the pressure's not too high. Otherwise, it'll just fill the room with tiny little cobwebs. Uh, and naturally, if you're if you're spraying a cat plastic at all, uh, make sure you're doing it with ventilation or extraction and that you're wearing a mask, you know, a respirator, because you don't want to be breathing in these fumes. No. You are responsible for your own health and safety and for those around you, so please do take care and wear appropriate yes, uh, you know, 99% alcohol and acetone are not good for your lungs no don't be breathing that stuff in um, so so you will need that in addition to you know the airbrush and the compressor and everything you're going to do that which is why painting it in with a brush <laughs> you've still got fumes to deal with but it's not as airborne as spraying it so um, so that's good and with the cobwebbing issue um one little tip, I think, sometimes when you're spraying a mold that has a lot of detail, sometimes you find you get little cobwebs uh, happening between the peaks inside the mold. You know, you get a couple of high points, you may find it's cobwebby. Uh, what you can do is, is go in with a cotton bud or a Q-tip that's dunked in the cat plastic and then just tap, you know, the middles of those strands yeah. of cobweb and that should melt it away. But at the same time, it also replaces any cat plastic that's, melt, you know, melt away because you're using cat plastic with solvent mixed in as the thing to break up the edge. What you don't want to do is pull at it or pick at it because if you grab it with anything, even, you know, a pair of tweezers or something, you'll end up just peeling the whole thing out like a sheet and you'll have to start again. So uh, proceed with caution. Good advice. The other thing I have done is actually when I've had like multiples over a very large area is actually spray pure solvent on it. And again, that does the same thing. It kind of melts the, the little strands, but without actually touching it, you know, you know, you're not going to get your clumsy, fingers in there because mm-hmm. yeah, you have to just be careful not to not to get too much of a spray because it'll dissolve right everything through, away all that stuff yeah. yeah i mean when you're making up with the you know alcohol based uh makeup on top of alcohol solvent cat plastic i found if you you know if you're careful you don't use too much it doesn't completely melt it away what is nice it does kind of etch into the surface it's just if you pull it or you put way too much on then you will actually you know melt it away completely you can melt it with a big patch where there's no more cat plastic uh, and that's not good so so proceed with caution so maybe if you're, if you're trying cat plastic for the first time maybe go with the acetone one and then progress to the, the alcohol-based one later yeah I, th- I actually think the acetone ones are a little bit more forgiving yeah they are. Although one, I mean, one thing I have noticed is very hard to get a thick edge with the uh, alcohol-based cat plastic. It's almost yeah, like and you can't. It breaks down a lot better when you melt it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to be careful if, if you're doing actual bald caps with the acetone-soluble cat plastic. You can try to feather where you know the edges of your cap are going to be, so that you aren't going to be working with such a, a thick bit of cat plastic. Uh, because, you, again, you want to make sure that the edges disappear once you have glued it down. Yeah. I mean, I've done that when you're making your, your bull caps here. You don't need it to be a tough thickness everywhere. You only need it really at the back of the head. Where it's going to stretch and where it's going to blend, you kind of want it to be a bit thinner mm-hmm. so you can yeah, yeah apply it in, a, in, in several layers. 
uh, and accumulate your thickness. So you start, it's the same with latex when you're making latex things. You know, a lot of people think, how do you make the edge thin? And it's like, well, you make it thin by not putting too much latex on. <laughs> you know, if you're making a piece, you go right to your edge with your first layer, then you creep back with your second layer and creep back with your third layer. So by the time you've done your 10th layer, you know, you're about two inches away from the edge. So it naturally tapers because you're not putting it to the same point each time. Um, right. Like you say, you've actually you've actually got to construct it with a thin edge. You can't melt it and make it disappear. You can't melt away a crappy edge. You know, you've got to make it thin to begin with, so that it can disappear to nothing. If your edge is, you know, two millimeters thick, you ain't melting that away. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you screwed up. You're going to be able to see that. So, with our cat plastic, we got two types of cat plastic acetone soluble and alcohol soluble several several different manufacturers um baldies super baldies bald fx glatson l um watermelon you can get them any number of places friends beauty nigel's mold life neil's materials it's all over the place michael davy uh and pierce composites have got two they've got uh i think it's called pro cap plastic pro cap plastic and pro cap plus i think is the alcohol based cap plus ProCat and ProCat Plus, yeah. So that's that's it for another edition of, of Battles with Bits of Rubber with Stuart and Todd. Email us at stuartandtodd at gmail.com. Check out our Facebook page, which we just started, uh, Battles with Bits of Rubber, and let us know what you thought, topics that you'd like us to cover. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, yeah, you'll find us on iTunes and SoundCloud is another SoundCloud, one as well. SoundCloud, yeah. I am myself an Android user. I don't have iTunes, so I, I use a, an app called Pocket Cast, which I've got about 30 because I'm a podcast addict. So I listen to like Serial and, you know, a lot of NPR stuff um, that's on there. Um, but uh, yeah, so Pocket Cast is a good one for Android users uh, who are not iTunes friendly. But either way, subscribe. Please subscribe. Leave a review. Let us let us know how we're doing. And then pass this along to a kindred FX soul. Got a friend that likes this stuff? Tell them about us. That'd be lovely. Keep listening so we can keep doing this because we like doing it. And we like learning new stuff. So talk to you soon. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Bye-bye.